And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We say hi to Jacob Padilla at Jacob Padilla underscore. It's, he is gearing up for another great season of volleyball coverage and, of course, thoughts on Nebraska football. And, Jacob, we're in the midst of this discussion, uh, best case, worst case scenario. Pretty fascinating to take a look at some of the national picks with, all right, what's uh, – What's reality for a Clemson and Alabama this year? Do they bounce back? Is Michigan ready for three in a row? Is it panic time in Columbus? And then we we get local. We talk Nebraska. Elijah's worst case with a snowball effect and turnovers and injuries, maybe a three-win season. Uh, that That is doable. We've seen it happen before. Um, I think right at five and seven could be, you know, worst case scenario for Nebraska. Best case, and I'll lay this out a little bit more next segment, but I think they could get to eight or nine wins. Where are you at? What do you think if if it's a sweet season, if it's, man, it's sunshine and lollipops for, for year one for rule, how, how good could it be if it's a slap of reality with, turnovers and oh god the big 10 is pretty rough and tumble uh what's the worst case yeah if if the uh, the win total ends up falling short of four i think it'll just be a clear signal that the program is just cursed and that uh nothing will ever get fixed uh at, at this point because they, like their, their wins are their wins to be had there uh so long mm-hmm. as they just play not even great football just competent football. don't yeah, yeah don't don't kill yourself like we've seen this program do so many times before. Uh, there, there are enough toss-up games uh, in addition to the games that they should be favored in that should be able to, again, the five, six, seven range, like somewhere in that. It's probably going to end up being there. It's interesting. We wondered kind of how Rule would approach this, uh, mm-hmm. starting over with this program compared to maybe what we've seen in the past where obviously a Baylor – went super young that first year and uh, had very little success in terms of wins. Uh, and that was out of necessity because basically lost his whole roster uh, mm-hmm. and had to start completely over from scratch. The, the more we're here and it sounds like that there's not going to be a huge uh, influx of youth. Uh, it sounds like they want to try to play a lot of guys, but the, the more we hear, it seems like a lot of the veterans, the holdovers are the guys that, are kind of rising to the top. And uh, Rue even said it when he talked this week. Um, like He's not even looking at the freshman like, all right, we got to play these guys. Like, okay, if some of these guys can climb up the depth chart uh, in these last couple of weeks, cool. Uh, they'll have earned it. We'll put them out there. But like, he feels good about the veterans at that position despite all the turmoil that, that we've seen there. Well, so it does seem like, uh, and we're seeing all these uh, kind of the single-digit jerseys. Uh, those obviously don't correlate to playing time necessarily, but – you're probably gonna guess that the guys at the te- the the players on the team view as the toughest guys, they're probably gonna be playing a significant role. Um, so it just seems like the question is how uh, like how many of the the little things that caused them losses the last couple of years are they gonna be able to clean up with rules different approach and the way they they're training and maybe some of the schematic things compared to last year because it does seem like. There's going to be a lot of the same guys. Obviously, you've got uh, Billy Kemp as a newcomer, but they've had 
uh, a new wide receiver one each of the last few years that have come in as a transfer. Um, so, I mean, that, that won't be dramatically different than what we've seen. A lot of the supporting cast, the, the offensive line, obviously, the secondary, um, the, the running backs have all been here in the program. It's going to be a lot of the guys that we saw. We'll see. We'll see a few guys, uh, maybe one or two of those young defensive linemen jump in there and uh, try to give them a spark. But um, I don't know if they're going to be relying on any of these these super young guys to come in and be difference makers right away. So it's going to be a lot of the guys that have been around the program for a while that haven't had success. So the key is how effective can everything that Rule has been telling us throughout this offseason, the approach that he's taken to the kind of the details and taking care of all the little stuff, how much ground can they make up with that? How much of the past couple of years was a lack of proper development compared to just a lack of ability? And that's what uh, the, this first year is going to tell us. Well, and, and Jacob, that's why I go three and nine with my floor is because the guys that you're going to be seeing out here on, on Thursday night in Minneapolis here in two weeks and the guys you're going to be seeing on Saturday all fall, it's the same guys that, you know, had seven one-score or eight one-score losses, excuse me, in 2021. It's the same guys that couldn't protect the quarterback last year. It's the same guys that have had fumbling issues during their Nebraska career. It's the same guys that turned the ball over six times in the spring game. And I know you, you don't want to take all those things too seriously, I, for lack of a better word, just because there's a lot of development and a lot of change that can happen under year one of a coaching staff. But year one of a, a new coaching staff also tend to be years that are marred by teams that have self-inflicted mistakes shooting themselves in the foot, issues with penalties and turnovers, and not to go too doom and gloom here, but I think there is that possibility that the wheels could fall off of this team this year, and to your point, I think a lot of Husker fans would think it's cursed. I don't think it'd be the the end of Matt Rule at Nebraska by any means, but I think that possibility is out there, though it may be unlikely. Yeah, and I guess if if we see the guys making these same mistakes early in the season, I think that's when we see the, all right, other guys, it's time for your chance to step sure. in, and 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 obviously, like I, you're probably not going to improve, uh, 100% improve by plugging in a true freshman for a guy that's been around a few years. But at the same time, um, these are guys that the they were high on some of the transfers, some of the guys that maybe have been in the year, been in the program for a year that weren't ready to play last year. Maybe the the combination of having the year under the belt and now kind of the, the new coaching and the new schemes, maybe it lets guys like guys like a John Bullock or uh, an Omar Brown, uh, who I think talked um, today, um, guys that have been in the program a little bit, but haven't necessarily been big impact players. Maybe those guys get a chance now within the new scheme. Maybe they can fill in some of the gaps uh, and help shore up some of the things that, that, that led to losses last year. So yeah, yeah it's, they're definitely, I mean, like you said, it's same guys that, won four games that, that can get to a bowl game, but a lot of that did seem to be coaching. And if rule and his staff can be everything that they sound like they are and that he's shown to be in the past, you can steal a win or two. Like if you swap out what we saw last year, some different decisions, some different approaches in some, I think that would have led to another win or two in some of those situations. So I think that's kind of like, if you're looking at the optimistic side, yeah, these guys may not have won in the past, but they were close. And now maybe with a different approach, you can get them all the way there. Mm. Jacob Adilla is with us, Hale Varsity, and uh, can find him on Twitter at Jacob Padilla underscore. You just said it perfectly, and that's what we're kind of waiting to find out. Is it 
proper development, guys that have the ability that need to get honed and seasoned, and they can have that happen under rule versus, all right, these guys just aren't – they are what they are, right? They're, they're not going to get any better, and, and they're not good enough to, to win – some of these games, let alone get to a bowl game. That sounds harsh, but I mean, it's really one or the other. Um, can these guys get coached up and, and geared up to, to go make some plays and be difference makers? Where are you at on Sims? When, uh, when we talk about best case, worst case scenario, scenario uh, with this offense and man, the, the physical tools and abilities uh, make you smile if you're a football fan and if you're a Nebraska fan, there's also the history of trying to do too much. And it sounds or it looks a lot like poor Adrian. That's my comp where he was the dude on, on a team that didn't have a lot of help. And that may sound familiar because, yeah. <laughs> you know, Adrian was, was in that situation in Lincoln uh, for, for quite a bit of his career, probably beyond his freshman year. So where do you settle in at Sims? What's your outlook like for him with uh, with what Nebraska needs from him, yeah, that's so. If the kind of number one key, or the biggest question uh, that I think will determine a lot is the offensive line, mm-hmm. then I think number two is Sims because of everything he said. He didn't win a whole lot at Georgia Tech. Uh, there was a lot of negative to go with a positive. Uh, the highlights were great. The ability is clearly there to do some special things, but just the consistent play. Um, the winning play just wasn't there over the course uh, of the long haul. And uh, that is a big question. That's the, the, the gamble that Matt Rule made when they, uh, when they uh, recruited him uh, out of the portal and kind of uh, bet, uh, put their eggs in that basket. Obviously, Casey Thompson's there, but didn't, the way it was going, decided to, to look elsewhere. Kind of seemed like the the staff put their their trust in Sims, and he became that guy kind of early on, and has been the guy throughout. Um, so th- they're betting that, yeah, that was more situation than it was player uh, in terms of his results at Georgia Tech, and th- they're hoping that within what they're trying to do, they can get the positive and cut down on the negative. Um, obviously, if the offensive line is good, I think that goes a long way towards allowing him to not having to. I think run his life every play and having to take risky throws and having to uh, kind of carry the, the load of the running game and being a true dual threat versus a guy that um, can run the offense and then hurt you with the legs when, uh, when the situation calls for it. Like that's the offensive line will determine that uh, in large part. Um, mm-hmm. They need that to be good. And then I think that's when we can see, all right, uh, if they, they don't need Sims to if they need Sims to be a superstar in year one, then I think that's when we can see some of the negative plays, the turnovers, uh, the misrows and stuff that we saw at Georgia Tech. If they can give him enough help, then that's when I think they can uh, take advantage of what clearly is substantial talent. Like uh, Rule throw, has thrown out that, that praise, obviously target him for a reason. They saw him as a good fit for what they want to do. Um, now they have to again, put him in position to maximize his strengths and minimize his weaknesses. I have no idea personally. Like I'm not one that I don't have access to 12 games of uh, Jeff Sims tape from last year. I didn't go through and break down from the, the all 22. Like, all right, what, what was he seeing here? All that kind of stuff. Like I'm, I'm more or less going into it pretty blind just outside of what we heard and mm-hmm. highlights and that type of stuff. 
Um, and that is kind of my big question. Okay, who is Jeff Sims? And the offensive line and Jeff Sims, I think. Because defense, I, I think I'm, it's kind of intriguing there with the, the scheme change and whatever it is. I think they'll find a way to um, kind of be – I think they'll be solid. Um, they'll find a way to not necessarily like, all right, we need the offense to score 35 points a game for us to have a chance. I think the defense, well, I don't know that they're kind of like, uh, the spectrum is as high from low to like where they're going to end up. Uh, I think they'll, they'll be solid. I, I think the offense could be all over the place mm-hmm. and the, the offensive line and, and Sims, I think will be kind of the guys uh, driving that or determining it. Jacob, I need three minutes on the other side if we can get it to talk some volleyball. I know the uh, red-white scrimmage tomorrow. So we'll spend some time on Husker volleyball, but good football thoughts, uh, as always, from Jacob Padilla. Hail Varsity continues on a Friday presented by Currency. Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio. That's such a shot to the face. I don't point at Elijah to talk. I'm not Brad Pitt. He's not Jonah Hill. And you have a brain. It uh, goes both <laughs> ways. <laughs> well, we, we could have edited that part out. I mean, you had old Saban <laughs> killing a third teamer once upon a time. Who'd have thought? Jacob Padilla joining us here on Hail Varsity at Jacob Padilla underscore. Great stuff. Uh, check this last segment out on the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and on video, of course, with the Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Jacob, you're gearing up, man. Going to be another fun year for Coach Cook and volleyball and a lot of things to watch for for tomorrow's red-white scrimmage. Of course, volleyball day looms on the 30th. And what are a couple questions? I'm just going to go broad with you uh, for Nebraska volleyball. I mean, they're cream of the crop. They're, they're always expected to compete for the Big Ten and then beyond being that final four, that elite eight. I mean, that's just where this program's at. What questions are out there that, that may, may make the normal difficult this year for Coach Cook's crew? Well, the first question is who is going to start? And mm-hmm. we still don't have answers to that. Cook's maintain whether, whether it's just coach speak or he truly is uh, kind of stumped at this point about uh, who, who the best options are. Um, he, he's still not kind of given us anything about um, who's going to start at basically any position. And I think we, we know Lexi Rodriguez is going to start at libero. Um, mm-hmm. That's pretty safe. And Laney Choboy is going to play as a defensive specialist. I think feel pretty good about that. Beyond that, even uh, Merritt Beeson at opposite hitter, they obviously was a big addition in the transfer portal after losing Whitney Lonstein. Uh, but even her, like uh, the talk of, uh, out of practices, and Carolyn Jervicious is giving Cook something to think about. She's been unbelievable at the net, terminating blocking-wise um, as a true freshman. So even a spot that seems like, oh, yeah, it would be pretty straightforward, there's still fierce competition there. And I was only two, you got four outside hitters. Only two of them can play starting roles. You've got three middle blockers. Only two of them can play starting roles. And you've got two setters. And the plan is to go with a one-setter offense again this year. And so only one of them can start. So the, the biggest question, and Cook even said, he, he's hoping to get competition and like somewhat even teams is what he said for the scrimmage. We'll see kind of how that plays out, whether that means he just splits it up or if he sees the second team being that competitive enough to compete with the, the, the top team 
like it often is where the red team or whatever is the the projected starters and then uh the the white team is the the second stringers and um where you bring in some little help there but um we'll see kind of how the the, the format is uh how competitive that is he said it's going to be their first big test uh and we'll t- tell them a lot about who those might be then beyond who's going to be on the court the questions are serving that that's going to be one they, they lost their best mm-hmm. servers from last year i i asked uh cook who has been the best server and he said freshman bergen riley uh has statistically has graded out as their best has probably been their best setter throughout, throughout practice so far um i know Merritt beeson uh was a pretty good server uh for florida last year so you think obviously she's got a chance to be in there cook always says six best uh servers are going to play so how, how good can they be from a serving standpoint? Are you going to have some new players back there from what they have been recently? And then defense, too. Um, I, well, I guess you can assume the defense is going to be pretty good despite losing the, the best blocker in the country and the best one of the best defensive setters in the country in Nicklin Hames. Um, she, that's where she really excelled with her defense. Um, but I think they'll be solid in the back row with Lexi coming back. Laney Choboy is ready to play right away. Um, we'll see kind of which of the pins play in the back row. We'll talk about Beeson playing six rotations like she did in Florida, seeing which of the left sides can, can play six rotations. Um, so there's some questions there, but I think they'll be fine on that point. It's going to be the offense. And can they can they get the offense going where they haven't been able to the last couple of years? Because that really is what let them down. Jacob, before we get you out of here, we also need a quick thought on Kasey Tomanaga, his performance against Rudy Gobert. Uh, in the French national team is that uh, he dropped 20 plus points. And I think Husker fans would be glad to see that, especially uh, whenever you see the, the deep three that he hit too. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, when I put together that film study last nine, kind of the stuff I was seeing from him, it didn't look like a flash in the pan. It looked like he found different ways to score. Obviously a team started to guard him a certain way and he was still able to put up 20 a game over a nine game stretch. And uh, because he's one that skilled and Two, that smart and figured out how to get the most out of his game. So not surprised to see him doing well for his national team. Uh, I'm excited for him uh, that, that he's getting that opportunity. It's obviously a lot, of, a lot of fun to watch, a lot of fun to cheer for. And I think this will be a great experience for him coming back to Nebraska ball for next year. And one of the things I, I noticed in that highlight tape was that the French national team uh, switched Evan Fournier, former NBA player, onto Kise in the second half, and he still hit two or three threes in his face. So I think that's the ultimate yeah. sign of respect there. Well, I, I don't know that. Uh, well, maybe not the ultimate sign for, of respect, but that's that's one of your best players yeah. still for the French national well, team. I, I don't know that he's ever been known for his defense, so you have to take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> if they felt like that was their best option, then uh, that does say something about the respect that they have for Let's uh, let's get uh, Joe Dumars from '89 and, and and fix it. They had no option there. Jacob, you take care, buddy. Thanks so much, and I look forward to reading and, and following up with you on uh, the volleyball coverage tomorrow, bud. I appreciate it, guys.